0: Hey everyone, welcome to Tales from the Pros and this is Michael Giorgio, your host and co-founder of Imagine Ovation. My special guest with me here today is the founder of 3DFS, software-defined electricity, located in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, not too far from us, we're in Raleigh. (laughs) A company being at the forefront with innovative digital electricity saving and efficiency technology, who also recently won the NC Tech Startup Showcase in which six startups demonstrate technology they hope is future changing, which is an amazing award to to receive. Please welcome Chris Dorfler. This is Tales from the Pros, where business leaders and influencers share their stories of inspiration, struggles, and successes. And I'm your host, Michael Giorgio. Chris, I appreciate you being with me here today, man. Thank you very much.
1: Yes. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I know we've been uh, trying to connect and, and get you on the show. I know we're, we're all doing some big things and uh, just super busy, man. So so thanks again. Thanks for your time. Of course. Of course. Happy to do it. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about your, you know, your entrepreneurial journey on, on how you essentially began 3DFS and developing such an innovative product, which I believe is at the forefront of energy efficiency and electricity, and it's just super innovative, man. So so give us a little background on that. Sure.
1: Um, the engineering group uh, has a history of some pretty significant intellectual property and some pretty, pretty large exits. Uh, and uh, it started, uh, some of the more significant ones would be um, the uh, wireless internet and spread spectrum communication, which exited to Texas Instruments. Uh, And then there was the single electron transistor that exited to General Dynamics. Uh, And it is, you know, it left us sitting around thinking it's great to build and sell technologies uh, so other people can play with them, but it's more fun to build and grow a company out of it. And so, uh, in doing a little bit of semiconductor research and uh, into solar cells, we started to do some uh, research into electricity itself. Uh, and really discovered that the way in which it is measured is an analog methodology and hasn't been updated since nikola Tesla's time so uh, that that was the seed that that we needed to plant uh, and we have been working on delivering our solution ever since
0: and did you I mean did you have any other um, companies before 3dfs or did you just always see yourself as this entrepreneurial guy, you want to create this pretty awesome product. You saw there was some gray areas in in the you know energy and electricity space. So how did you how did you really? I mean, what really geared you to starting this company? Was it just something that you always had an itch for? Sure. Little?
1: For me, entrepreneurialism is is really what I am drawn to. Um, ever since I can remember, really, um, much to my parents' chagrin, I uh, I. Left UNC, uh, in search of something, I didn't know what it was. Uh, so Mm -hmm. I got into real estate, I got into finance. Um, I started uh, a company on more of a, uh, a nonprofit fundraising company. Uh, and there was a a precursor to Airbnb. There were just a lot of startups that I was getting involved in, uh, trying to make something happen. Um, my journey took me all over the, the country and in different parts of the world uh and just didn't know what i wanted uh i had my daughter in oregon and uh everything sort of changed after that Uh, priorities (laughs) etc so um (laughs) i ended up uh moving back to north carolina uh and um getting uh, quote real jobs uh and then uh out of nowhere i i ran into a guy we started a few companies and that morphed into uh, this opportunity with this engineering group Um, and, uh, really in just embedding myself with the group and learning all of the, all of the innovative technologies and all of the approaches that are just so unique. Um, I fell in love and, uh, I've been here ever since. Um, we, I was lucky enough to find a group that is literally at the forefront of technology, the bleeding edge. Um, and, uh, I was able to recognize that and I have not let go ever since, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's cool and you know you know me i mean me and you have spoken for a while now we've communicated on linkedin and we've we've met before and i always found you guys very interesting chris because i love interviewing uh founders of companies and just leaders that solve problems and i feel that when you say forefront i really believe that because you guys are solving problems i mean you're really trying to help people you're not just kind of some company that does what a lot of these other companies do right Um, you know, you're not some, you know, you're not some pizza shop, nothing going against pizza shops, I mean, I love pizza, man, but you know what I mean? You guys are always trying to solve these problems and I really love it. And I think that it just makes the story that much more interesting and just your background and capabilities and what you guys are trying to do to, uh, you know, trying to do for other people and provide value. So I think that's, that's amazing stuff. So Chris, were you able to, you know, in the beginning or even through the years, were you able to bootstrap 3DFS or secure investors and funding to speed up the growth of the company? So tell us a little bit about that process, because, you know, for me, and you have talked about my company, right? For us, we were bootstrapped. We never had any funding, nothing like that. So it, t- it did take some time for it to grow quicker. It just takes takes time to build that brand. So w- what happened with you guys in the beginning or even just throughout the throughout the years? Yeah,
1: it's, it's kind of unique. Um, we definitely bootstrapped. Um, it's not a traditional bootstrap, but because our technology lies in a very specific space, um, it, I mean, frankly, it, it requires a lot of money to play in this space traditionally. Uh, we have a technological advantage that provides an insurmountable business advantage, and we've had to leverage that the best we can uh, as, we, uh, as we grow the company. We are, our vision is for 3DFS is to not accept any outside investment uh, in the core company rather to take this computing methodology and embed it into products and then build companies out of those product lines. Um, so it's taken us, because that's our vision, uh, it's taken us a lot of discipline uh, to be able to bootstrap uh, and to not be put in the position uh, where we would be required to go get funding from an investor or an investment. and uh, And that itself has been, I mean, that has clearly been the most challenging part of growth mm-hmm. as we've gone, um, but it has put us in an incredible position today now that we've begun to
0: have success. Yeah. So did you ever get, I mean, was there ever times that you had that itch or that urge to receive, to get funding? Because you guys have this unique product, right? So you probably had a lot of investors that were, I mean, coming to you, I just, I, I mean, I'm still very new to the investment game. You know, we, like I said, we didn't, we never received investors, but I've spoken to a few of them. I know sometimes these investors, they'll come to you if they see that you guys are, are, um, you know, you're kind of at the cornerstone of a certain uh, industry or, or, um, certain product or whatever it, it may be, you know, they'll come to you and they'll try to tempt you into, to, um, giving them some type of equity and, you know, but uh, sure. did you guys ever have the, any of those opportunities or, or not really,
1: we certainly had a lot of opportunities, and uh, as, you, as you mentioned, the, the interest was, um, you know, it, it, it raised and lowered. I mean, there were certainly times yeah. where we, we knew it would be easier, uh, and, you know, the thing about entrepreneurship is it, is, it, is it pushes you to the brink, you know, and uh, when you're at the brink, you, you know, you have a choice. You can give up or you can continue. Like for us, it was continue everything we've done, you know, we've done with our own hands uh, from setting up the floors, building the walls of our, of our facility. I mean, we don't um, we don't give up. And I think that's a, that's a key component to bootstrapping in general is if you can't make money to do that task, then you need to figure out how to make money to do something else, you know, to, to do that task. I mean, it, it never ends. Uh, It's a, you know uh it's uh, for us i think that that's our biggest advantage really is that we we don't we don't see failure um we have a vision and we're gonna see it through uh and that's that's really the big uh driver for us
0: and you're gonna find you're gonna always find a way to execute that vision man I, i love hearing that chris because Um, you've probably heard a lot of these, um, successful entrepreneurs and, and, um, CEOs and leaders of companies, like, for example, like Mark Cuban or some of these guys in the shark tank, they say, you know, it's even though, even though they, you know, they're on that show and they are offering funding, they say the key to successful company is not just asking for money. (laughs) So (laughs) do you notice that it's a lot of these companies, these businesses, these startups, they're they're always just seeking money, but they don't mm-hmm. understand the business side of it, right? They don't understand how to grow a business during yeah. tough times. How do you do it with no money, right? Because yeah. it's hard to seek funding. It's hard to get investment. It's not easy to do that, right? You have to give a, a huge chunk of your of of your um you know your company percentage away of your company. So um, it's not easy to do that. But at the same token, it's it, it, I like what you said, man, because it shows that you guys are going to do what you're doing, whatever it takes to make this thing successful. Um, and it's really good to go through those phases. It's really good to go through those struggles because that really defines you as an entrepreneur that defines you. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna take you guys a really long way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that, that really is the key. It's for us. We know we see the vision, we see the path forward, uh, and a lot of other people don't. And that doesn't mean we're wrong. You know, that, that means that we have a lot of convincing to do. Uh, and that's been the last seven years. But the advantage of taking that approach, even though it's brutal, I lost my 30s. I have much less hair now. Um, is so do I. Here you go.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're in we're in a position now to go to investors and say it's not your money I need. I need your network and your access. And that's a that's a much different approach to investors because money spends that's not a problem. Like now that we have the advantage, we do money can be gotten easily, but it's, what is the value of the relationship that we're getting when we get that money? Because if it's just to get equity in our company, we're not interested. If it's to propel this forward, then we can talk. And that's a, that's a great advantage.
0: That's great advice, man. Great advice for, um, for just other companies that are, have a, have a pretty stable company and they're looking to to network, I'll just say kind of network with investors. So there's some great tips. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. So Chris, also getting more knee deep into, you know, the 3DFS product and just solution, how were you able to essentially ensure the accuracy and efficiency of, you know, the, the data, the computing data of all these control systems in our homes, such as heat and AC, right? How, how, do, how do you ensure that, uh, you know, that it's accurate and efficient? Sure.
1: Well, here's really the core of the innovation behind our technology is the ability to digitally measure electricity. Now, in the market today, everybody in our labs, in the DOD, in any country on the planet, they use an analog method of measurement for electricity. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally, like, that's not accurate, You have zero trust value that that can be an accurate measurement because it's a guess at the end of the day. It's it's an educated, calculated guess, but it's a guess. Mm -hmm. The ability to digitally measure electricity does a lot for us. But the main thing in this particular context is we're able to pull data from a sensor and also pull the electrical signature of that sensor at the same time. And when we do that we have an unmistakable not only data point for the the what is the sensor measuring but we have verification that the sensor was operating correctly when that data point was built we also recalibrate after every sample and we're sampling every six nanoseconds so the the focus on the data acquisition is really the advantage that we have when you have it's it's error-free data is is what our advantage is, and when you acquire error-free data in a system, like you can then define the time you need that data because you don't worry about whether it's correct or not, and that ability having a hundred percent confidence that we can extract real data allows us to work at any speed that we would like, and because we can work at any speed and we have a computing methodology that can process any amount of data, like it gives us the keys to the kingdom. We're able to analyze and build models and do corrective actions all instantaneously at the microsecond level. Um, And that's, I mean, that's really the key is is the the measurement and understanding of electricity because without it, you can't you can't verify that the data you're you're pulling is in fact what it says it is. That may be a bit. A no, bit- that, that's a great
0: explanation. I mean, <laughs> are is it and, and is the. Are you tracking, I mean, are you doing this just for, you know, homeowners or are you doing for businesses as well and, and buildings? And-
1: yeah, so that's the transformative nature behind this today. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has the ability to, to to acquire error-free data. And so like where this technology is focused with software-defined electricity, we're going into mission-critical facilities. We're going into, you know, high consumers uh, uh, of power and uh, places where cybersecurity is critically important, but the advantage of this computing methodology is that it's flexible and it can be embedded into residential electronics and provide functionality and data services that don't exist today. So it's the 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 real innovation, you know, from a business perspective, is it's it's opening up markets that is, have never existed, uh, and it's. And, and that's really the key so with this uh, company that we're spinning off um, our focus is to apply this computing methodology to all sorts of control systems and control products to upgrade existing infrastructure and allow it to operate in true real time which is uh, which is division and and that's applicable to residential commercial industrial laboratories government municipalities everywhere
0: Wow. And and how how does how do you guys like you know how does three DFS hold these energy companies accountable, Chris, for inaccurate data when it comes to like homeowners and businesses using energy and electricity? Because you know, for a homeowner like me, you know, I get a bill you know, from Duke Energy, and I don't know if what the, if the energy I use was actually accurate. Like, what if it was just some made up number? Or what if, you know, and they're just kind of collecting my money, and you know, and this is happening for millions of people, so. It, it's pretty crazy, right? And this is why I love what you guys are doing here. So how do you really hold these energy companies accountable? Do you ever get slack for that or any, I mean, how does the, how do you, how do give me your thought process on that?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what we have is, is transformational, both for consumers, but also for utilities. And, and that creates a bit of, uh, you know, a, a juggling act, uh, utilities are in the business of selling a product that they cannot accurately measure. But then consumers require the purchasing of that product regardless of whether they can measure it or not. Right? So it's the perfect market to just not really know what you're doing and still be profitable. Right? And as we transition, as the utilities transition to uh, a more service-based model, like accuracy of electricity measurement is critical; it's required. And so, as we as we begin to work with some of the the utilities that we've run and also on the the customer side of the meter, uh, it's very consultative. We go we're we op- we're very open about what we can do. We're very open with the utility. With every installation that we have, we mentioned to the utility we're going to be doing this, um, and. the the goal really is to open up that that visibility Um, one of the advantages that we have specifically is um, the software defined electricity delivers perfect electricity to the client and that's going to be an energy savings that's stability that's improvement that's cybersecurity. there's a lot of benefits immediately irrespective of the data the data is almost secondary at this point and so once we have delivered clean electricity and they start to get the roi and they start to get the savings we then work with them on the data portion there is literally nothing in a power network that we can't identify every device even if it's a hundred televisions or motors made by the same robots with the same components you know all at the same time we're pretty close there's tolerance and variance differences in those individual components, there's wire thickness and solder differences and placement differences, and all of those collectively make a unique electrical signature that can be identified with 100% accuracy. And tracking that signature over time provides insight into each individual device that is consuming electricity. And so The future there is, and it's an inescapable future, is 100% predictive power networks. And the utilities that we're speaking to understand this. And it's a lot easier to be at the forefront of that than to have a customer come to you afterwards and have you explain why their technology is showing them something different. And so we've, we've really tried to head that off so that we don't have any awkward uh, confrontations. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but as we, as we, uh, yeah, as we expand into, into, you know, more product development and mass manufacturing, etc., it's bound to happen because we can't, we can't talk to every utility first, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I know. And, and you know, for example, like Duke energy, right? So you, you think Duke energy would probably, I mean, instead of, you know, being face to face and having a, having a, uh, uh, like you said, a tough conversation or what have you. You don't want to go through that, right? So they're probably they're uh, big companies like Duke Energy. They would probably come to you to use your solution, right? I would assume, or even potentially in the future, maybe even uh, try to acquire 3DFS.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like what we're our big vision with Duke and, and some of the other utilities is is really opening the door because they again it's like the whole infrastructure from generation all the way down to consumption is operating like at a loss today they're losing more electricity than generating and and that's that's an unsustainable model uh, and so the opportunity that we provide is distributing this throughout duke's territory or whoever's territory will allow them to uh, Generate more than they're losing, like by two to one. Uh, and that opportunity for them is a few things. One, it's less fuel that needs to be burned to provide electricity, but it's also an increased amount of capacity for uh, or without economic development and infrastructure investment. You know, they don't mm-hmm. have to add new transformers or lines or anything. So and then in addition, there's all these ancillary services with electric vehicles and so on and so forth, renewables, um, that they are then able to control uh, at, a, at a much finer level. The, the big vision for the grid, the big vision for utilities and for consumers and everything is to have a transactive energy platform an actually software-based grid where we can trade and buy electricity with our neighbors and with the utilities and, and whatever. That's the vision, to get there is gonna take decades, if not more, and it's gonna require control of electricity. So when we talk to the utilities and we talk to the big players, we just paint the future picture. Where are we going? You know, we, we need to show what's possible, uh, but also paint, you know, what the future looks like with this with this technology, with control of electricity and, and accurate measurement. And usually from there we can we can move forward. But it is it's definitely a slow process. They're not
0: yeah no i mean energy is evolving like crazy and 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 i like that because it seems like you guys are are i mean you're um not necessarily leveraging each other i guess you are i mean you're you're collaborating with each other to provide the best solution because you know you can't do it alone you guys need these utility companies they need you right they they need these software um you know innovative companies uh technology companies like you guys to help them right because they they specialize in something else you guys specialize in something else so it's it's like a, It's a good. Uh, seems like it's a good collaborative effort to provide the best solution for consumers and, and what have you. So kind. Of, this kind of goes to my next question, Chris. You know, how do you see energy evolving and trending? I know you dabbled a little bit into it, but how do you see it? Where do you see it going? Are are there more positive opportunities due to like artificial intelligence arising, or are there more threats?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's a, that's a big question. Um, so I guess there's a there's a couple ways to look at it uh one so wh- where has it gone like wh- how do we get to where we are um and and, and then where are we going to go from here <clears throat> we originally thought that we would just continue to sell more and more and more electricity uh and it's only been recently that we realized we're, we're selling less and less of it we're getting better energy efficiency is becoming more widespread um right that's That's stimulated the idea that we can get rid of coal plants. We can get rid of natural gas, well, not natural gas, but fossil fuel plants. You know, we can open up renewables and nuclear, et cetera. The challenge that comes with all of that is regardless of where the electricity is coming from, it could be a coal plant, it could be a solar panel. At the end of the day, the electricity itself needs to be controlled. And when the electricity is controlled, efficiencies are gained throughout the entire system. We're talking about controlled electricity at the generation point will nearly double the amount of available electricity from the natural process already, right? From a transmission and distribution perspective, transforming electricity, like from one voltage to another, we can do at less than a 2% loss. So that's staggering amount of loss in temperature in the in the uh in the grid, in the transmission distribution. And then even converting back and forth, you hear solar inverters and battery and inverters. The inversion process itself, going from AC to DC, today is done at a 60% efficient rate. And tomorrow is a 98% efficient rate. So not only is it improvement in energy availability, But because this is a computing system embedded into the interacting with electricity, maintaining balance and synchronization at the microsecond level, you have flexibility to the grid. You have Uh, Resiliency, it's a layer of resiliency. No matter how the loads are used on the consumer side or how much fluctuation is upstream, it will always Mm -hmm. be digitally perfect power because we have this computing embedded in. And all that opens up not only stability and resiliency, but again, uh, modeling. So modeling of substations, modeling of generation, modeling of distribution, modeling of consumption. It works into exactly what I said earlier: the transactive energy platform, the ability to sell electricity, to generate electricity at optimum efficiency, at optimum balance, and that's 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 the future. It's all digital, digital control, predictive analytics. Like none of this can be done without artificial intelligence. I mean, it's it's there. Right? There's yeah. It's I mean, all of that comes into play. Um, some more advantages of our particular technology, as we embed it in each of these places, like you're able to acquire data that just hasn't existed before. So in the future, we can build models of, of electricity consumption between cultures and even between state lines and, and, and grids. Everyone, every culture, even uses electricity different, and we can examine that. Like uh, so, I mean, there's all sorts of research and 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 products and and just a whole bevy of markets that are going to be built uh, around this you know 10 12 years ago no one knew what a smartphone was and today they're they're just ingrained in our society in 10 years this technology will radically transform the energy industry every every bit of it top to bottom Uh, and we won't even recognize some of it like
0: that's great yeah thanks for sharing that chris Mm -hmm. Um, so jump a little bit back into just your overall entrepreneurial journey what struggles did you really have to go through Chris during your entire you know your entire journey and how did you really overcome them because we all know that you know starting a business is hard we all know um, creating a, a product is hard and, and selling it to the market and, and getting a return on it and we know business is difficult um, especially especially Doing it for you said you've been doing it now for almost seven years. Just like our company, we actually going to be seven years in a few months. Um, it's just a lot of grinding, right? You talked about how how difficult it is and a lot of hard work and sacrifice. So, what struggles did you did you and your team, or even just you, go through?
1: Yeah, I for me personally, um, you know, I had to overcome a lot for this. I this is not my natural yeah. subject. I had to learn all of this. Um, I there, there were communication problems from the beginning. Uh, this is advanced electrical engineering, advanced data science, advanced computer science, uh, and they're all inextricably linked. And my job, you know, falling in love with this technology is to learn all of this as best I can and then go to you know, knowledgeable people and try to convey this information. And the first thing I learned is I have to not care at all what people think of me. Like, I, I mean, I learned that so fast because, you know, the sheer amount of, of negativity, when you're trying to introduce a new concept, particularly in a stoic industry that hasn't changed for over a century, is just outright rejection. And sometimes even just straight up making fun of you, you know, and that's, uh, you know, at first it was hard uh, because I feel, you know, I felt very passionately that I have something that they needed to hear, but what I learned is I had to be better at communicating it, you know, and I had to be persistent. I I can't tell you how many doors I've opened from being politely persistent, uh, and that's that's probably been the biggest key to our success. Uh, I mean, even with the uh, the article that. Um, we got into vox recently with uh, with david roberts i contacted david roberts probably four times in 2015 five times in 2016 five times <laughs> in 2017 and it wasn't until 2018 that he, he took notice you know and that has been enormous for us you know so i you know that's that that's really the big thing on top of oh, actually i should put in here work life balance you know i hear a lot about this and um, i don't really know what that is Uh, I suspect it is important, like (laughs) when the last seven years, like uh, I, I feel that, you know, probably the biggest, the biggest personal struggle I've had is, is trying to balance, you know, being a father, uh, with, with being a startup founder, that that's a very difficult challenge. Um, and it takes a lot of practice, uh, and a lot of listening to, you know kids who cannot communicate their feelings um and trying to decipher what they're saying uh, so that that's probably the biggest personal challenge i think we've we've hit a pretty good homeostasis here uh but that took some time too right.
0: a lot of uh probably a lot of time management i'm assuming as well with the family
1: oh yeah yeah and there's there's inevitable disappointment um but i you know the lesson that i have my daughter has probably taken better than my son my son's much younger is uh, is is it's worth it in the end like if you have a dream and you go for it i mean even if i fail even if i fail she has literally watched me for most of her life she's 11 now so seven of 11 years uh watch me go after this you know and if i if i don't succeed the technology will like i mean i know that for sure so um i i don't i don't have anything to lose here uh and that's a that's a good that's a good feeling
0: well, you have a lot of fight in you, Chris. So I I don't uh, I I don't see you not succeeding. So I hope not. Yeah, change, change your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, right, right. Well, I always yeah, that's true. That's true. It's I when I look at uh when I look at the future, it's it's only success. Um, sometimes, actually not sometimes. Uh, I, I tend to not be the best at calculating time. Sometimes I'm way too soon. Sometimes I'm way too late. Uh, but I, I tend to be mm-hmm. right. Uh, so I, I, I know I'm going to be successful with this. I, I, I believe it. I feel it every single day. Uh, but, yeah, yeah uh, you know, <laughs> that's,
0: what, that's what I want to hear, man. That's what I want to hear. So, and this goes into the like, you know, just kind of closing, uh, closing out the pot in this episode. I always ask the three hows. So Chris, how do you define failure? How do you define entrepreneurship and how do you define success?
1: Oh, failure is giving up. Yeah. Easy. Um, if you, if you give up, like you failed, <laughs> like that's easy, uh, entrepreneurship, you know, uh, I would say that entrepreneurship is seeing a solution to a problem that exists. Uh, and, and making it come to fruition is, is really what that is. Like I, I, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, there's a lot you have to unpack in there, you know, like I I see a lot of people who have wonderful ideas, but the ideas aren't going to make a difference in the world in a way that you can make money. Right. So there's always, at the end of the day, you have to be able to sell whatever you're doing. Um, but it's got to have a need, it's got to have a fit, uh, and you've got to be able to communicate it. Like that's, those are the things that are needed. Um, and success, you know, I think success lies in the pursuit. I, I mean, even, yeah, success is always going forward, always continuing, you know, never, never accepting that you can't move forward. The path that you have made, that you may have taken, might lead to a dead end, but you have to backtrack and go forward a different way. Uh, and as long as that mentality is there, I think success uh, is inevitable. Um, but uh, it's it's always going forward, always progressing, always bringing people with you, your team, your company, everything. Uh, and and I guess I would, that's how I would define it. <laughs>
0: Great. I I love asking those last three questions because um, sometimes I'll get a similar answer with some different people, you know, some people. But uh, sometimes I, I get a very different answer, and and I love how you talk about success in regards to just moving forward and progress. So that's great, man. Thanks for sharing that as well. So, uh, Chris, where can everyone find you? Your website and social media handles. Yeah.
1: Um, so three dfs uh, com is the the website for uh, software defined electricity. Uh, the Twitter handle is just at 3DFS underscore power. Mine personal uh, Twitter handle is at Dorfler, which is D-O-E-R, F as in Frank, L-E-R. Uh, and yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, LinkedIn as well, I'm on. I, I just looked my name up. Uh, and uh, please, please reach out. I am in the point now where I am trying to build my network as much as possible and to meet as many people in this industry as possible because uh, we have a, a really big vision and, uh, it's going to take a lot of people to achieve it.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for being a part of this podcast and sharing your story with us. And I'm very thankful. And, uh, yeah, guys, just uh, everyone, uh, connect with Chris if you can. And then, uh, you, you saw his, um, his website and his social media handles, um, uh, be sure to reach out to him connect with him and it's all about growing your network. So thanks again, Chris, really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. And this is your host, Michael Giorgio on Tales from the Pros. And until next time, thanks,
1: Chris. Thank you. I appreciate it, Michael.